0: Welcome to a much-delayed episode three of the Call Me Coach podcast and our very first education edition. Our very first guest is the principal at Creeds Elementary School in Virginia Beach, Miss Casey Conger. Casey is a great guest as she is a first-time principal with a less-than-standard-tracked principalship. And what drew me to her as a podcast guest is that anyone who works with her, or has sat in on anything that Casey has been a part of seemed to agree that she would be a great guest and she was very gracious uh, to come on to a show that is so much in its infancy she has a lot of great wisdom in her words and I hope you all enjoy every person that I talk to has been like you know what Casey just loves being a principal what, what makes you love being a principal
1: I think being a principal you get to see things from many different angles And so when I was a classroom teacher, I felt like I loved being a classroom teacher. And there wasn't anything that I didn't like which would lead me into going into administration, but I often wanted to see things from another angle. And I think with administration, I think it's the best of all the worlds. I could be in the classroom, I could be out of the classroom. I could be in the specialists, I could be in the community. Um, I have access to all of the students, all of the teachers. So I feel like being a principal, you get the best of all worlds within the school Um, and for me to be able to see things from many different angles down to the individual kid but to our school as a whole Um, and i feel like i have the ability as the principal to be proactive where i felt like many times as a teacher you you could be proactive but you also had to really be reactive if there weren't structures and systems in place and i feel like as a principal it's an ultimate responsibility but to put those structures and those systems in place and be proactive. Um, And of course, as the day goes along, you have to react in different ways. But the overall big picture, I feel like, I get to put in some things that mean a lot to me or are important to me. And so, um, I just think it's the best of all the worlds that are involved in a school.
0: So what, you know, I think this, if I'm not mistaken, this is your first school. It is, as principal. And what what were some of the systems and and different tools you've used to to really build um what's sort of this uh, transcendent culture that i think right. you've created and it's one with a incredible reputation and what what did you come in thinking uh you really wanted to put in place
1: right i think i came in with a lot of great uh, big ideas however i had to be really strategic and i felt like that word became so trite because I was saying it all the time about being strategic, but I'm coming into a a fantastic school that was already a great school, was already a great community, following in the footsteps of someone who put his entire world into this building and is this community. So coming into a school that's already doing well, how do you establish yourself sort of in that school? However, at the same time, I would often hear, oh, how are you gonna fill those footsteps? Or how are you gonna do this? And I had to be very clear in that I'm not, and I'm not that person, but I feel like I could make some of my own and and take creeds to a higher level. With that being said, there's no perfectly straight line to do that. And so I had some some big ideas that I felt like I needed to do right at the beginning. However, I had to take a step back and say, okay, not too much too quickly. And it's not gonna be a straight line because this school is so steeped in tradition. And how are we going to move forward? So honestly, when I came in, I thought, what can I just not live with? And there was just a couple things. And if you tie it back to the children, what is best for kids, then you sort of have a a leg to stand on. And honestly, my my first goal was to make sure that the community, the students, the teachers know that there's no place I'd rather be. And um, from every interaction with students, to every interaction with their parents, to every interaction with teachers, Um, letting them see that I am with them and there's no um, we're doing this together we're building this together and we're going to build on and really get creeds out there because creeds had a reputation of being a an old country school and while that is a great thing to be they're doing some really amazing things here and how do we get that message out without moving too quickly because at the same time four or five generations of families have come through creeds and so moving too quickly to um too fast would be would scare some people.
0: So I think you, you sort of alluded to dealing with something that a lot of us deal with in one form or another of following in some really deep footsteps. Was there any pressure to continue those things or were you more set on really comfortable being yourself and you were going to take the best of both worlds or was it No, that's a different era how did you navigate that
1: i think that was a really tough it was a tough um kind of to figure out In that as a first-year principal you want to do the best you can at the same time a leader can't lead without followers and so if i didn't have people willing to follow me then i was going to fail before i even started so i think finding that balance a lot of it involved listening. What were those things that if I touched or if I messed with really would set the school and the community, you know, on fire? That, you know, you can't come in and, and make these kind of changes. However, every strategic change that I make made, I tried to put it back on what's best for kids. And if you can say that honestly every time, and also I had to say which things that I really just can't mess with right now. And I had to be willing to do that. And there were some things that I wanted to change, but they weren't hurting kids. And as long as they weren't hurting kids, then I, it was one of those things I knew I had to be strategic and it couldn't just be a pull the Band-Aid off fix. I had to be, I think of it like those um, old family circus cartoons where the, their path that they ran was like all the way around the yard and you see it with a little, um, little hash line moving around. And, and I felt like that's what I had to do a lot of the time um, to make sure that people knew why we were making those decisions. And then it was much easier to swallow and plus once the parents knew that i really loved their kids and would make decisions as if they were good enough for my own two children um, i think it it became easier to to see some of those changes through
0: is that the sort of secret sauce to being a great administrator as as long as you can relate it back to am i doing what's best for kids not to check this box not to you know i know you've been an assistant principal and a teacher and many other things for a lot of different principals. Does that seem to be the secret sauce that, that relates all the really good ones?
1: I think so. And I think being present. And I think you know which principals or which administrators or which business owners or which people are doing it as a job and who are really doing it as a calling. and. Um, If it's good enough for my own personal children, that's what I want for the children in my building. And I would hope that you know all the decisions I make can be brought back to that. And honestly, as a principal, um, it's easy to get caught up in tasks. There are a lot of tasks that come about all day long. But at the end of the day, I have to make sure that when those students go home, they know that someone here at Creeds loves them. And really, parents need to know that we at Creed's love their children. And the teachers need to know that I'm gonna be behind them. And that can't happen in the walls of my office. That has to happen throughout the day, all day long. And so it happens on the weekend when I'm at ball games, when I'm going to community events. I try to be really present. You have to be present to build that. And if you don't build that, then you can't really bring about change.
0: This is a question from my wife, especially how do you have so much fun doing what you do is it is it just you
1: honestly that's a tough question because I actually battle that a little bit Um, I think there's this unseen pressure out there or there's this unseen assumption that people who are happy don't contain substance and I battle that because people think oh do they really have the substance to lead when they're laughing and joking and having fun and being themselves? And how many times have I heard, well, you can tell you're elementary. I hear that all the time. And if elementary means that I love what I do and I love kids and I'm happy to be with kids, call me elementary all day long. But I was the same person when I worked at Brandon Middle. I was the same person when I interned at Salem High School. But you have to, I feel like, I'm constantly aware that people think and, and and it's been said to me, so it's not that I'm just assuming this, that it has been said that there once you become in a certain role you have to lose yourself. And I don't think that has to necessarily be the case. And I think I know when I need to have those serious conversations. I know good teaching. You know, people that look at the the write-ups that I do on observations, we're talking deep stuff. But you can have fun, and you can be human, and you can be kind, and you can be nice, and you can be empathetic, and still be in charge. And just because you're in charge doesn't mean you have to, um, I don't wear high heels, I don't wear suits, I don't, you know, and, and, and some people think that if you don't come across in a certain way that you lack substance. And that's something I'm always aware of because it's it's more common than, than one would think.
0: I guess it's surprising because that's a reality right. because anybody that I know that's ever spoken to you or knows you or knows the work that you do has brought us here to, right. to the, the fact that they want, they want to hear what you have to say about these things So, right. that's, and,
1: and another thing is that is, is key in that I always relate it back to I can't lead without followers and I need people to be able to trust me but I am who I am and just because I went from teaching PE on a Monday to an admin assistant on a Tuesday doesn't change who I am I'm still that same person and I'm in a different role and so there are different responsibilities but it doesn't mean you have to lose that person that you truly are and and I am a happy joking person and, and, and have a good time but I also know where I need to channel certain things and, and when I need to have those conversations but it's much easier when People know you're with them.
0: Kind of go off what you were just speaking on. You didn't necessarily have the um, common path right. to an elementary school principal. Right. Can you kind of tell a little bit about your journey and maybe a couple important lessons you learned along the way?
1: Yeah, so my dad, I grew up military, and so my dad always says that I came up the enlisted ranks. Um, and I think that just kind of speaks to my family, that we are blue-collar people. I'm the first generation that's gone to college. My parents were very involved in our lives, but they um, they were always there. We didn't have a lot. I grew up, I went to Birdneck Elementary. Um, I was one of the kids that lived in Wadsworth. I can remember church bringing us food. However, I, I never questioned that my parents cared about us and, and, did, and did the very best for us. Um, So I started as a PE assistant, actually, and I was a PE assistant, um, and then at the time there was going to be an assistant opening at Old Donation School, and so um, I wanted to transfer, but they wouldn't allow lateral transfers at that time, so I couldn't go from PE assistant in one building to PE assistant in another building, but the principal at the time, Mrs. Duff, said, look, I'm the one that's going to be down a person, but I want this this kid to have a job. And so, if it weren't for her, then I wouldn't have got that. So, I went to um, Old Donation School as an assistant, and that very day, the PE teacher went into labor. So, that very day, which was my very first day, I got a call on the walkie talkie that said, um, Mrs. Connor, I need you to take over. And so, I was the PE teacher at Old Donation School the rest of the year. However, because I went and it was October, that was an annual contract. And the very next year, my job wasn't there. They, it, you know, I didn't have that position. So, I agreed to go back as a PE assistant. And so I was going to be a PE assistant, and then unfortunately there was a PE teacher who passed away and I moved to Centerville. Um, And so I was a PE teacher there for 10 years, then I became an admin assistant. Um, I did, and again, it's because someone was rooting for me. Um, I went to apply to work in summer school at Salem High School, and Dr. Robertson found out that there was an admin assistant position open at Brandon, so he stuck his neck out for me. And so I feel like, I've gotten here because people have been willing to take a chance on me. And so then I was at uh, Brandon Middle for just a cup, just a little while um, as an admin assistant. And in February, I got appointed at Cook as the assistant principal. So I did K-12 in one calendar year that year and met a lot of people, but it only happened because people were willing to take a chance. And I think that's what I really... Um, I keep that in mind because if it weren't for that I probably wouldn't. So then I moved around a little bit and then I got appointed as principal. Um, And I think what I've really learned is that our system is big and it's people rich however it's not as big as we think it is. And it's so important that you treat everybody respectfully in the way you want to be treated and and not to sound you know like oh well we know that but you're going to need these people. And so that tribe that you kind of create is, is really the only reason I got to where I am.
0: I know something that Barbara Sessoms, who you worked with, and something that I've seen you do just as in, in our own social interactions, what have you, she does it really well. I've seen that you do it really well from director of whoever it may be to custodian to parent to you speak to everybody on the same level. Right. How important is that as a, to be successful as, as a leader?
1: I think that's key. Um, and Barb's is a master of that, and that is one thing I learned. Um, you know, I learned that from my parents to start with. Uh, being humble is really key in our profession, but across the board because you can't do your job without all of those people around you. And Barb is a master at that. And one thing I learned from Barb Sussoms is that it's, it's fine to have the right people. You can make the right hiring decisions, but you gotta have them in the right roles. And if you empower people in the right roles, then you get lifted up as well. Um, and she is a master at that and placing people where she sees. She took a chance on me. She'll even tell you, I was about the best, the worst interview she's ever sat through and she still hired me because she you know, took a chance. And I think being humble Every single person. My parents are hard workers, and one thing that it, that strikes me that I still think of, and while it sounds kind, it may sound kind of lame, but my dad used to clean office buildings just to have enough money, and so. They were down on Laskin Road, and he cleaned these office buildings for probably 15 or 18 years. And that was all of the money that we were able to play softball with. And uh, my dad was in the Navy. He was a a first class in the Navy, so he was not an officer, he wasn't a chief. My mom cleaned houses um, so that she was available when he went out to sea. The hardest working people you will ever meet. And we would go with him to clean these offices And I would just notice how people would just throw their trash on the ground. And I can remember being young and thinking, my dad's coming behind to pick this up. How hard is it to put it in the trash can? And I think about those things now. There is nothing I will ask anyone in this building to do that I myself haven't done or they've seen me do. And that is just, I am all in with my staff, my students all day. There is no them and me. It is, it is us. Now, when I have to pull the principal card and I have to do things because it's either unsafe for kids or it's not right for kids, I don't have any problem doing that. But at the same time, um, I just can remember thinking how, how um, I don't know if it's just arrogant or to just throw your trash on the ground. Someone's got to come behind right. and pick that up. And I think about that across areas. What's the
0: biggest challenge facing administrators today?
1: Oh, I think the amount of need, whether it be emotional needs of students, academic needs of students, um, social and emotional, like I said, but then couple that with teachers and the community. And I think the biggest challenge is being able to give anything a hundred percent. I don't believe that the person with the car in the parking lot the longest time is doing the best job so i don't think there's anyone that goes into a job and in in any profession and says well i'm going to do half. i'm going to do i'm going to do just about as half as good as i can today i think everyone even those teachers that struggle or even those uh, people who are not doing the best they don't go in each day thinking i'm just going to do sort of halfway today i think everyone tries to do their very best and as an educator i think the need is so great that you want to give everything a hundred percent and so i don't believe that the people that um, you know stay at school the longest necessarily do the best job and so i think that's that's a culture you have to create i think if you're efficient and, and you do your job however it's getting harder and harder to meet the needs of my students and my staff and the parents plus get all those tasks done and still be a mom I, was about to say, um, mom I have my a- own children and I don't ever want them to say my mom was great but she was always at work um, and also I keep in mind there someone told me don't spend all your time with other people's children and forget about yours and so I try to be the mom who is present and does things so you know my way of making that work is that when my i leave at a decent hour so i can spend a few hours with my kids in the evening plus they're both so involved in things all i do is transport kids to and from but at the same time when they go to bed then i go back and try to get some of those paperwork tasks done Uh, because truly i think the biggest challenge is being able to give anything a hundred percent because the need comes at you all day long
0: it's funny that you mentioned the parking lot thing when i did the first one of these i don't know if it actually made it into the show but jesse Waring said the person in the gym the longest isn't our favorite person
1: (laughs) right that makes sense you know
0: yeah you may think that you you being here all the time is great but it's really about what you're doing when you're in here
1: absolutely if there
0: would that be the thing that you know if you could broadcast something to all, all teachers is it that you know you don't have to It doesn't take time, it just takes thought, or would it be something else?
1: I think, you know, that is, but that is something you have to establish because how easy is it for a teacher who's working late grading papers and and really working to transform their instruction and see me roll out at 4.30? How does that make them feel? And so creating that culture where, or parents, well, you know, my parking place says principal, so they know if I'm there or not. Um, And so at the same time, Creating that culture where they know that I may not, I may be leaving to, to be with my children, but my work is getting done at a different time or maybe later on. And, and when they see that things are getting done and tasks aren't being dropped, then they start to understand that. However, that can be tough and, and does send a certain message if you haven't created that culture or that understanding. So you have to be very careful because something as simple as you might have gotten your work done, but how does that feel to the teacher who really is working or, or has so much on their plate? And teachers have just so much on their plate that they have to be strategic in how they meet those needs. And my husband and I, I'm gonna put this in here and so that one day he'll hear it because <laughs> he and I've been married a long time and he and I always had the same little argument. And I'm like, there's more than one way to do something. And he'll say, but there's really one smart way and so I'm a hard worker by nature. I can get work done, but he's a smart worker. Um, and I'm admitting it, so anyone can hear it, so he'll be very happy.
0: It's, it's very much the same in our house. There's, so there's it, no, it, there's, uh, and
1: honestly, it, and it is right, because the need is so great and the job is never done that you have to prioritize and you have to make time. And, you know, I, there are weeks where it's lovely to say, oh, make sure you plan you time. There's going to be weeks that you don't have you time. That just comes with this job, and if you're if you're not okay with that and you can't hold a grudge with that, then this is not for you.
0: Let's kind of switch gears a little bit to kind of the, the culture and then the, the school you're in now. What's something that you hope every Creed student, past, present, future, that you've been in contact with, walks away with? What, what do you want them to think about when they think of Creed's?
1: I want them to think of themselves as capable of making the world a little bit better every single day, in whichever way, shape, or form that may be. Um, I found myself writing letters to some students today about SOLs, and I don't ever want them to think that they're defined by scores. I want them to know that they're defined by the way in which they live and the way in which they carry themselves. And so They will repeat it. If I say, when you leave creeds, and they say, we take creeds with us, whether it's on a field trip, whether it's out in public. Um, I have people that email me in businesses and say, one of your students was here and I just wanted you to know um, how kind and polite and compassionate they were. I've had people email me from the field house that I want my students to go out and make the world a better place in whatever way, shape, or form that may be, and that I would hope that every one of them would know when they leave here what their gifts were. Perfect.
0: Similarly, what are you hoping that your teachers are imparting on your students? Is, are there are there themes? Are there things that you know you feel like you continually uh, try to you know, have? Make sure your staff is is bringing to your kids, or is it? You know, are are you empowering your teachers to make? You know, I'm very aware that every classroom is an ecosystem right Um, and it's each one is different um, but you know you always hope that there's something that is continuous at my school it's work hard be nice right that's yeah you know that's our motto and you know as long as you do those two things and you can see that in every room is there something similar here or is it a little different Um,
1: I I think it it is very similar we really i think if you asked any of our teachers they would talk about creating a family here at creeds um, and how that carries on in how we treat one another from grade level to grade level and we do a lot of things vertically um, and that we take care of each other and we look out for one another Um, and fair isn't equal and I think my kids really, truly understand that. And I've been at schools where, I'm like, well, why do they get that? Or why do they get that? And I think we've created the culture where you get what you need. And that's okay. And it's okay to ask for help. And it's okay to um, be given a, a boost up when you need to. And, and they're doing it for one another. Um, and I would think, over and even more than that, is I would say that our students know how to set goals for themselves. Um, and reflect on that and make plans. So I would believe my kids wouldn't say that anything just happens. I would think that they would tell you that they set a goal and they they created a plan. I read somewhere a goal without a plan is a wish, and I think that they truly understand that. They know that they have to set goals and really work and create a plan to to get toward them. And these kids are hardworking kids. I think they are. Um, but at the same time, you know, treating one another as in a family way i think is is what the legacy that they would leave
0: what is in your opinion the biggest mistake educators are making today
1: they are jumping on things that aren't sustainable and i think in our profession there's so much burnout because there are things that people choose to do that aren't sustainable and you have to really figure out well, first, if, if this is really for you, because it's it's clearly, it has to be, it has to be your passion. It has to be. And, and, and on, on the flip side for that, I've often thought about when I retire, what is Casey without being an educator? I don't know if there is one. And that's that's something to think about as well, you know. Who am I without, if I take the educator out, what's left there? Um, and I think that that's something that I'm continuously thinking about because, It has to be sustainable. It has to be something that you can continue to do. And there's so many great things out there that it can be hard. So it's almost like we talk to our students about um, filtering information that they find. I think for teachers and educators and principals, you have to do that as well. Because there's so many great things and you want to jump on board with so many different things. But you have to do a few things great and not a hundred things okay.
0: What's the most exciting thing that you see in education going on? Is it technology? Is it personalization?
1: I don't think it's technology. I mean, that's great and we can use it to amplify, but I think now the varying ways in which students can own their own learning to me is so amazing. So, you know, I was at a meeting last night and I thought when I was in elementary school, I didn't know I had choices. Like, we just did what we did. And honestly, I didn't even know that I had a lot of choices in careers. Like, I've tried to think, I've never thought of being anything but a teacher. So where did that stem from? Like, I feel like our students have access and experiences to so many different things and they're owning their learning even in kindergarten. I mean, my kindergartners are owning their learning. And to me, like, how cool, that's the coolest thing. I, I don't, I don't know, you know, I didn't look at a rubric till high school or college even. When my elementary's saying, how do they expect me to do this without a rubric? You know, like self-assessing and taking control and taking power of their own learning. To me, that is powerful and being able to apply it across different scenarios and circumstances. And I also think what's exciting is, right now in Virginia Beach, I think we're given a lot of flexibility in trying new things. But then that goes back to, you can't try everything. Sure. And where do you get the biggest impact? But I think, you know, personalized learning and really transforming that learning is is most exciting right now.
0: What would you say is the biggest lesson you've learned since you came here?
1: At Crete's or just Just being in in education? Just
0: as an educator. What, maybe better said, when you come to work every day, What do you want to make sure comes through all the time
1: that i genuinely love people and i think in all ways shapes or forms um the famous saying people won't remember what you tell them but they'll remember how you made them feel i used to house sit um, in high school for this captain his name is captain rush in the navy and this man was so powerful and so he had every honor and recognition he was, he started the first women fighter pilots i mean he had conversations with presidents and i mean this man was really really high but when you went to his house and you talked to him you felt like you were the most important person in the world And that's how I want my students to feel. That's how I want my teachers to feel that. um, And it all comes back to how you treat people and how you talk to people and how you connect with people. Um, And just understanding and knowing people and and being right there beside them. So I really, really have learned that you need people to be successful. And the only way that you're going to have those people is if you treat them as people and to, to treat them with respect and kindness.
0: So this all kind of comes, the name of this podcast is called The Call Me Coach Podcast because it comes back to, uh, I used to do something similar to this with my old high school coach. We'd sit down to breakfast every other weekend and uh, when I first got to my high school, um, all of the former swimmers called him by his first name. So I rolled in the very first day and called him by his first name. And he pulled me aside and he said, call me coach. And so that's where this is right. all comes from. Right. But he taught me an important lesson to, to kind of bring it back around. Um, something that he used to tell me that you have to be a great you for you before you can be great for anybody else, whether that's you know, a spouse or anything. Right. How important is it to be 100% Yourself and not try to be the authoritarian teacher or uh, the person in the suit that happens to walk into the school, you do that really well, how important is it in your mind?
1: I feel that if you're not your authentic self, that people will see that you're just doing, you're filling a role. And that goes back to, if I'm my authentic self, that doesn't always fit the mold of a building principal. But I can't do my job, not my authentic self. And so that's a, that's a balancing line. But to me, there is no way I could sustain this for 40 years if I weren't my authentic self. And I do believe people could see through that. And I think what that would look like is she's just doing a job. And so to me, making sure that just because I laugh and have fun doesn't mean I don't Get down to business or or run my school in a way that's successful. And that to me is probably something I come back to often and have to reflect on um, because my authentic self probably is not the um, typical. Or, you know, when I started, I was fairly young, not anymore. But at the same time, you know, I would often say, don't confuse young with naive. Um, Don't confuse policy with practice. Don't confuse a smile with weakness.
0: What would you say is your authentic self? I mean, I know you're a baseball fan.
1: Cardinals, for sure,
0: 100%.
1: We're not not doing so great, but we always start off slow. We'll pull it together. Um, My authentic self, that's hard. I think my authentic self is a people person i think i am genuinely a people person but i'm also an introvert which is hard it's really hard i'm not i don't do well in big functions barb systems tried to teach me how to work a room and talk i i I don't do that well
0: look i i i can absolutely understand i'm the exact same way like if if i walk into a room I'm probably gonna like stand in the corner. That is me. But I, I absolutely do love engaging with people, right. and right. I love learning about other absolutely. people, absolutely, and meeting interesting people. But know, right. I, I absolutely and get people that
1: say part. you're an introvert. No way, I can talk with people, but I, I like to engage with my people, sure. and and I can, but I do feel like I enjoy my time, my quiet time as so well. I love to knit. Um, and so people like knit. And so my husband says I'm like an 80 year old in a 39 year old body. Um, I like to knit and watch Golden Girls, and you know, I need some quiet, decompressed time. For me, that is audiobooks in the car. I don't ever have my radio on pretty much um, on my way to work and on my way home, kind of getting in, switching those gears. Um, I think I'm a mom. And, and, I'm a, and I'm a wife, unfortunately I think I give a lot at work and I give a lot to my, my kids and luckily my husband's an educator, so he understands that as well. Um, but I would say my authentic self is someone who really, really, truly loves people, but um, works hard to balance those
0: roles. How, how important is it to be a continuous learner, even as a building administrator? Mm-hmm.
1: I don't, think, I don't think there is life without being a continuous learner. Like I don't think you can do that. And I don't think you have to necessarily um, fully jump on to everything, but at the same time, if, if you're not continuously learning, then you're not moving forward. And that doesn't necessarily mean doing new things, but it means even doing the things you're doing even better. Um, and so I think you know we often think innovation we think all of these new projects but sometimes it's just rethinking about what you're doing and making it better and learning and like like um, the other night I was on a on a Twitter you know, chat and you know isolation and not learning is a choice like you can learn continuously but that also becomes overwhelming so you have to be able to temper that as well because there's so many things that can come at you at once that that could be overwhelming
0: just as a fun question audiobooks books in general what do you what do you enjoy is is it professional stuff or no is that-
1: i absolutely and I, i'm i gonna admit <laughs> it i i have to make myself read professional books i do but that's not what i would would go to some people that i know love that um i like them and i read them but straight fiction audiobooks or or inter, you know entertainment that helps me sort of get where I need to be. I actually have figured out how to, this is gonna sound terrible, knit on the treadmill. Okay. Because, you know, that's my downtime and I, I can't sit and knit, I've gotta exercise. So figuring out how to do that, I, I, it's just not. And I, I have a, a, a lovely stack and I don't think <laughs> my stack is getting any shorter. But again, where do I need to focus and where do I need to put that effort? Because, you know, those books are coming fast and furious. You can't do everything, but you can do some things really good.
0: If there, we may have answered this, but we'll do. We'll put it in here. Again. Okay. Biggest piece of advice to someone who just whether whether it be a part-time soccer coach or a teacher or you know what aspiring administrator, what would be the biggest thing you would say? Uh, we mentioned people and treating people a certain way, is that the big thing?
1: It is. I do believe that before you die, you're gonna need almost every person that you've come in contact with in some way, shape, or form. Um, And you don't want to burn any bridges because if it were for people sticking their neck out and doing different things, and I'm gonna tell you a perfect example that sums it up. Um, I had an unexpected neck surgery last year. I had a broken neck and I didn't know it. And so I went into the doctor, I was having trouble and he says um, you need surgery Tuesday, and I was like, "This was like Friday." I'm like, "I can't have neck surgery on Tuesday. I'm I'm working into school." He said, "I'm sorry, but if you could be paralyzed right now," and so that was like, "Wow, you know what?" The surgeon, who's the head of neurosurgery, who did my surgery, was a parent of a student that I had who had some challenging um, school was a challenge, and here I am laying. And the surgeon says to me, I will not let anything happen to you because you took care of my kid during the toughest part of his life. What are the chances? So, you know, and that's kind of, you know, he's right, (laughs) cutting me open by my carotid artery. And yet, you know, it was all about how I treated his child. And so I think however you treat people, you're going to need them one day. Um, Your students. You're going to come back and and they're going to know. They're going to remember how you treated them and, and the people you come into contact with.